Lord unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the, and the Jebusites. And then verse 9 begins to say, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the uh, Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. We'll read 19 and 20, and we'll stop there. Let's skip to 19 and 20 for our reading and our hearing on this morning. 19, And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. Verse 20, this is so important. He says, and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord on this morning. Uh, and just for a few moments on this morning with your prayers and, of course, with with the help and the aid of God's Spirit, I just want to talk for a few moments that, that God is moving in a direction to deliver us. You did tell me to slow down, didn't you? God is moving, saints, in a direction to deliver us. Many of us, let's face it, saints, we've had all kinds of afflictions, and we I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a financial affliction. Maybe it's, it's an emotional affliction. Maybe it's, it's just the stress, the stress and the strain of having to deal with sometimes hard-head children, sometimes our hard-head siblings. You know, sometimes our siblings, they think that, you know, hey, they know what the best way is. They know what, you know, our, our deceased mother and father would have wanted, and we're going to do it this way, and this is the way that... And, and sometimes it, it causes us stress. Go good to see you, Minister Terrell. Sometimes it causes us pain, saints, but, but the message is simple, and it should be clear this morning that God is moving in a direction to, to deliver us. Now, now the, the, the caveat to that, that's a big word I use on my job, but, but the caveat to that is that we don't know when it's going to be. We, we don't know exactly how God is going to do it. But you know what, saints, I, I, I believe that, that David would begin speaking these words in Psalm 37 and 7. He tells us to rest in the Lord. And, and wait patiently on him. Saints, God is trying to do a, a miracle in, in many people, and, and God is trying to do a great work in many of us, but, but what God needs us to do is just hang on a little while longer. He says right here in the text, he says, you know what, I, ha I have seen what you're going through. I've seen, I've seen your affliction. I've seen what's causing you pain. I've seen what's causing you trouble. He says, you know what, and I've also heard your tears. You know the issue that I have? The issue that I'm having, saints, in verse 7 of our text is that God is speaking to Moses and God is speaking in the past tense. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. He's talking in the past tense. He says, he's not saying that I'm seeing it right now, but he said that whatever it is that they're going through over there in Egypt, I, I already have uh, knowledge of it. I'm already aware of what you're going through is what God is telling us. And he says, you know what? I've, I've seen their affliction. 
And he says, I've, I've also heard their cry. The painful thing, saints, and this is where we have to be honest, and this is where we have to uh, address real-life issues, is because God has heard us and God has seen us as evidenced in verse 7. But the question that I have is why is it that if God has already seen us and already heard us, why has God not already delivered us? Uh, I'm not talking to people that have been through anything. I'm talking to people that live perfect lives. But sometime in my own personal life, I, I wonder, you know what? I've been praying to God, and I've been looking to go for God to do a thing in me, and, I, and I've been looking for God to show up in my life and start, and start doing things in me. But, but why has God, sometimes the way that people treat me and sometimes the way that people ridicule me, oh, you think just because I'm a preacher, it doesn't hurt. How many of us know that even God has feelings? Yeah. If you don't think that God has feelings, then go back to the story that takes place uh, between God and Noah in Genesis chapter 6. And God began telling Noah about his innermost feelings, saying how that the people are wicked. And he begins telling Noah, Noah, I'm grieved. You know, oftentimes we think that people don't have feelings, but I'm, I, if God created us in his likeness and after the image of the Godhead, I, I'm just, I, I'm naive perhaps and crazy enough to believe that, yes, we have feelings just as God has feelings. God has said, you know what, whatever it is that you're going through and whatever it is that's been oppressing you, he wants you to be sure of one thing on this morning. He says, I have seen it. And he says that I've also heard it. And he says not only that, but he says right there in verse 7, I, I know who it is that is causing you pain. And I know what it is that is causing you pain. Oh, saying we, we're keeping it simple on this morning. A lot of times we'll read the 66 books of the Holy Bible and, and, and we'll just try to make all just a, a, a huge big deal out of it, make it more complicated than it has to be. But, but the, I believe the Bible says that the word of God is written so simple that even the fool should not err. I, I'm, I'm, what, what it is that you're going through, saints, God has has seen it and God has heard it. And we ought to thank God this morning, Brother Rollins, that even when we were going through our affliction, that you know what God says, you know what, I've still given my eyes unto you and I've still given my ears unto you. We ought to thank God that, that even when we, when we didn't know that he had heard us and even when we didn't even think that God was real, we didn't even think, uh, we, we were ready to just give up trusting and believing in God. And God here provided us evidence in his text that everything that you're going to go through in this physical life I'm, I'm aware of it before it even happens. He tells us in the book of Jeremiah that even before we were formed in our mother's belly that he knew us. Saints, he says he's seen it. And he's also heard it. And God is saying that whatever it is or whoever it is that is behind causing you pain, he says, I know who it is. But the question is still, if God has seen it, and Sister Jew, if, if God has heard it, why has, why has God not moved on the behalf of his people? I, I, I have an issue with that. Y'all might not have an issue with that, but I've got an issue with that. And again, in verse 7, he's speaking in the past tense. He, he's seen it and he's heard it. Saints, 
in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 2. Let's turn there for a moment. Exodus chapter 14, verse 2. We'll look at verse 2, and we'll also look at verse 9, because something happens uh, for us uh, that should serve as a blessing and help us to uh, really understand why sometimes, you know what, God doesn't always come through when we want him. Y'all know the old saying is that God might not come when we want him to, but he's always on time. How, how many of us believe that this morning? I, 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 got, I got a cancer survivor right there raising his hand because he can testify that, you know what, when nobody else could do it and when even doctors had given up on him, oh, he stayed steadfast in the faith. And, and one thing that I love about the saints is how that when the saints come out with victory, you know what? They come out also with testimony. When, when God does something in the lives of the saints, saints, we ought to be able to testify about it. <laughs> Exodus chapter 14 at verse 2, and then we'll look at Exodus chapter 14 and verse 9. <sighs> okay, y'all gonna make me work. Y'all gonna make me read. Okay, I don't even have a volunteer, but that's all right. You know what? Because whatever God is doing in me, it's more than sufficient to keep me. Let's go, saints. Verse 2, he says unto Moses, speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and, and, and encamp. Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and stay right where they are. Uh, it says before, let's go to verse 9. But the Egyptians pursued after them. And all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army uh, and overtook them encamping by the sea beside the same place where God told them to encamp. I've got an issue with that. Now, we can turn back to Exodus chapter 3, but what happens in Exodus chapter uh, 14, verses 2 and verses 9, God tells them in verse 2 to encamp, and then he allows the enemy to come and overtake them in verse 9. Now, watch this. In chapter 14, the children of Israel have already been delivered out of Egypt and away from Pharaoh. Why is it that God would deliver me out of a situation or out of a place and then allow the enemy to come back and overtake me? In Exodus chapter 3, he talks about delivering the children of Israel out of two places. Out of the enemy's hand and out of the enemy's land. What happened, my God, what happens in Exodus chapter 14, uh, he's already delivered them out of the Egyptians' land, but now he's about to deliver them out of the Egyptians' hand. Some of you are still caught up in the enemy's land. You know what? But God is about to deliver you from that. Some of you are still caught up in the place and the territory of the enemy. Yes, God, you've been saved, and God has delivered you out of the enemy's hand, but it's time to come out of the enemy's land. You know what God says, and I'm speeding up a little bit, but you know what he says in those last two verses of Exodus chapter 2, verses 19 to 20. He talks about how Pharaoh is going to not let the children of Israel go by a mighty hand. Y'all, that, that blessed me this morning, baby, because he says that Pharaoh has a mighty hand. That's pointing to Pharaoh's strength. But then he says, I'm going to stretch out my hand and then he's going to let you go. Can, can, I, can I go out that door right there? Can I go out that door? 
I didn't wear my bulletproof vest this morning so y'all don't shoot me. I might not survive. But the blood is able to keep me. And he told me that, you know what, nothing shall by any means hurt me. Saints, it's time for us to come out of the enemy's land. Many of us have been delivered out of his hand. But now it's time to come out of the enemy's land. Paul the apostle would talk this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. He says, come out from among them and be ye separated, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and then I will receive you. He says, you know what, uh, come out from among them. But he also says, be ye separated. That's my mother right there, y'all. <laughs> 33 years ago, I came out from among her. But the umbilical cord was still attached to me, and I had to be separated from her. Because if you keep that umbilical cord attached to a baby too long, it's possible that either the mother or the baby might die. We have to come out and be ye separate. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3, saints. Because here it is, God still, he says, he says what you're going through, I've seen it. He says, and I've heard it. And, and he says right here, now watch this. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my We might have a doubt whether God has seen us or heard us. But God has no doubt about what he's seen. When God sees something, God's vision, vision is two things. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's sure and it's secure. When God speaks a thing, it's two things. It's sure and it's secure. And that's why in Isaiah 55, uh, chapter 55, verse 11, he begins to say that, you know what? Uh, the words that come out of my mouth shall not return unto me void. Uh, he says, but rather they shall uh, accomplish that which I please and shall prosper in the very thing whereunto I have sent it. That serves as a blessing for me. And I see uh, my sister back there testifying. Thank you, Sister Brenda. Because that means if God said a thing to us, if God spoke a thing to us, then all we have to do is just sit back and wait on it to pay. Is it anybody in the house on this morning that can testify that God's word is true? When God told me he, well, he would deliver me out of the hand of the oppressor, God delivered me. When God told me that he would uh, get my son off of drugs, God did that for me. When God told me he would get me, uh, uh, deliver me from cancer, God did that for me. When God told me that he would deliver me from lust and fornication, is it anybody that can testify that what God said he would do for me, God did it for me? The reason that I stay faithful not only to this church but to the body of Christ is because I'm a living witness that the things that God has said in his word, God will honor that very thing. Is it anybody that knows that God is no shorter than his word? God began to tell the weeping prophet Jeremiah, he says, you know what, Jeremiah, look out and tell me what you see. And he said, I see the rod of an almond tree. And that he says, you know what, the almond tree shall be the first to flourish in its season. And God says, for thou hast well seen, for I will surely hasten my word to perform it. Saints, God is a performer of his word. And here he tells us, I've seen and heard what you are going through. And watch this, he still calls us my people. Saints, that's why we have 
have to, when we read the Bible, we have to be uh, so locked in and we have to get rid of all distractions because, you know, we could easily read through that and miss the fact that God, even in the midst of our affliction, has said that, you know what, you are still my, my people. That means, you know what, if you're my people, then you're still in my hand. See, when you know that you are one of his, then you can walk into places where the enemy can't go. Yeah, I'm not just talking, I'm talking Bible. Because what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 15, I believe it is, or it may, may even be 16, but I believe it's 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, Saul begins to tell King David, he says, uh, thou art not able to go out and fight against this Philistine. And he says, you know what? David begins to tell King Saul, at which time David had already received the anointing of God, and later on he would be anointed by man. But he begins to tell King Saul, he says, it was a day when my, uh, I was keeping my father's flock and one of the sheep at New Scott Island got away and when that sheep got away I went out there after it and you know what it was a lion and a bear that took the sheep and David said I went out there after it and you know what he says and I delivered the sheep out of the paw of the lion and the bear you know what but David was anointed to do that and David was anointed to go into the place of a lion and a bear and pull the sheep back how many of us know that you know what time you get outside that door, there are lions and bears in this life that are ready to grab the sheep out of the sheepfold? David said, I delivered the sheep. And then he testified in the subsequent verse. He says that God delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the bear. I went out there to rescue the sheep, he says. He says, but I, I got uh, the, the lion and the bear caught a hold of me. And he says, in the process, what happens is I grabbed the lion by his mouth. David says, because I was anointed, I took authority over the situation. Saints, it's time for us to stop operating in mediocrity, and it's time for the saints to start operating in and with authority. Saints, when he, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1 says that when he ordained his disciples, it said that he gave us the power to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. A good definition for all I've learned, Pastor Smith, is all. A good definition for all is all. Maybe I go and, y'all mind if I go and preach that garden of memories right quick and come back? <laughs> y'all mind? Y'all got a little while? Let's go, saints. We, 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 just, we just talking Bible this morning. We just talking Bible. Watch this. Exodus chapter, we, we, won't, we won't keep you, we won't keep you and burden you for too long. Exodus chapter 3. Are we all still there? He says, my people which, which are in Egypt. God has seen it. We talked about that. God has heard your cry. We talked about that. God has still called you his people. We've talked about that. Even when we had gone astray, 1 Peter 2 and 25 says, now when we return to the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. But right here, he also says in verse 7, he says, uh, uh, I have heard that cry by reason of their testimony. He says, I know their sorrows. 
That word sorrows in verse 7 is not a singular word if you're reading in the King James. It's a plural word. That means that you know what, whatever sorrow that might come up in, uh, against you in this life, whatever sorrow you might even have on this morning, that God already knows it. Verse 8, look what he says. He says, and I am come down. And he says to deliver. I told you when I started saying that God is moving in a direction to deliver us. God, when, when, let's understand thing, one thing. When God moves, uh, God is not moving uh, for any willy-nilly reason. But when God moves, God moves not only with authority, but God moves for a purpose. He says, and I am come down to deliver. You know what the thing about it is? If we were to just, I think we have a little time, if y'all will be patient with me. Might even buy you a $6 dinner, but let me not tell that lie. I'll just, I'll just saying that to see if y'all are still woke. They do say stay woke, right? Better be woke in this word, if anything. He says, I'm come down to deliver you. And when we look at what's going on with Moses in its proper context, let's understand where Moses came from and let's understand the story and the life of Moses. Because the Bible would talk about in Exodus chapter 1, somewhere around verse 5 or 6, how that Joseph had died and all his brethren with him, it says, and all that generation. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 7 talks about how the children of Israel still multiplied and they increased, uh, they increased abundantly and they were fruitful. And it said that the land was filled with them. Exodus chapter 1 verse 8 says, and there was a new king that arose that knew not Joseph. Uh, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 9, the new king begins telling uh, his people, which are the Egyptians, he says, behold, the people are more and mightier than we. And then in Exodus chapter 1, verse 10, he says, come on, let us deal wisely with them. At least at any time, any war falleth out and perhaps the children of Israel would even join against our, uh, with our enemies and fight against us. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, therefore, uh, they did set taskmasters over them to afflict them with burden and they built for them treasure cities such as Pithom and Ramses. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12 is where we are blessed. Basil, thank you for turning there with me. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12, it said that, but the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and, and grew. Saints, it's, yes, it's still possible for us to grow, and it's possible for us to multiply even despite going through our affliction. Uh, and then if we were to pick up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, if you still have your Bibles open, if anybody wants to uh, j just confirm what's going on in the word of God, as we should, we should never let any preacher, any man of, or woman of God stand up and tell us anything and not confirm it for that word in our, with our, within ourselves. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, it says, There came, or rather there went a man, uh, uh, a man out of the house of Levi, and he uh, took to wife one of the uh, daughters of Levi. Then in Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And uh, they began to have a child. It says, And when the woman, conce the woman conceived and bare a son, it says, And when she bare a son, she looked upon him and saw that he was a goodly child. It says, And when she saw that she hid him three months, talking about Moses, the people in verse 1 and verse 2 is talking about Moses' parents, which were known as Amram and Joshebed. Amram was Moses' father. Joshebed was Moses' mother. Joshebed was actually, believe it or not, y'all don't be messing but she was the auntie of Moses because she was his father. She was the she was the auntie of Moses because she was his father's. Uh, the, he, she was his father's auntie. 
So that would make her Moses' great auntie. Yeah, yeah, and then verse 3 says, And when she could no longer hide him, uh, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and uh, had uh, daubed it with slime and with pitch, laid it uh, in the flags by the river's brink. And then, you know what? There comes a woman by the name of Miriam in Exodus chapter 2, verse 4. And the Bible begins to say that, you know what? His sister doesn't say Miriam, but it's talking about Miriam, who at seven years old, uh, Exodus chapter 2 and verse 4 said that she stood off to wit or to watch or to witness what would happen to him. And then Exodus chapter 2 and verse 5, y'all still alive in here, saints? Exodus chapter 2 and verse 5, it then begins talking about how the daughter of Pharaoh uh, had came to wash herself by the river's brink, and it said that her maidens came also alongside with her, and they walked along the riverside. And it says, and then it was Moses, it was uh, the daughter of Pharaoh, I believe somewhere around verse 6, and it says that uh, Pharaoh's daughter had saw that something was in the Nile River. It said that she saw an ark, and then she uh, sent the, her maids over there to go and fetch it. It says, and when she had opened it, behold, the babe wept. And it says she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the uh, Hebrew children. And it says, you know what, then uh, Miriam had came to her, Miriam, who all the while had been back in the darkness and back in the shadows. It says that Miriam had actually uh, come out and presented herself uh, before Pharaoh's daughter. And Miriam, at seven nearly years old, she began to say, shall, shall I call one of the Hebrew midwives uh, to come and nurse the child for thee? At which time, yes, the woman, Pharaoh's daughter, says, yes, go and uh, get me a midwife so that she might come and nurse the child for me. Uh, she goes uh, to get a midwife, her mother, which is, again, Jochebed. And you know the interesting thing is that even before that point, we actually see no communication between uh, Miriam and her mother. Even when Miriam is just standing afar off in the distance, uh, her mother is putting her baby brother, her newborn baby brother at three months old, into the Nile River, a river that uh, geologists would even tell us would stretch about some 4,300 miles. Uh, and she says absolutely nothing. She just stands idly by. And you know what? As soon as the woman, which is Pharaoh's daughter, gets her baby and pulls him out of that or has compassion on him, uh, identifies him as one of the Hebrews' children, uh, then we find where, uh, where Miriam goes and she begins having this conversation with Pharaoh's daughter. And the Bible would say, if we were to put things in its proper context, it would talk about how then when Moses was grown, it should be around uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, perhaps when Moses was grown, it said that he decided uh, to go and visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Let's look at something between Exodus chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. Because in Exodus chapter 2, verse 9, Moses is still a baby. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, it talks about how the child grew. In Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse 11, somewhere around there, it began saying that Mo when Moses was grown. So between three short verses, Moses actually goes from a baby to a 40-year-old man. Oh, man, how, how, and we think our kids grow up fast. Between three short verses, he goes from a baby to a full-grown man. And the Bible says that when Moses was grown, that he decided to go and visit his brother and the children of Israel. 
But Hebrews 11 and 24 will tell the story like this. It says, and when Moses, by faith, when Moses was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It would also talk about how he had forsook Egypt, not, fleeing, not uh, fearing the wrath of the king. And one thing we need to realize about Moses is that Moses has come out of several different places. He came out of his mother's belly. He came out of the Nile River. He came out of his mother's house. He went into Pharaoh's house, but then he came out of Pharaoh's house. And then he would eventually go into the house uh, of the priest Jethro in Midian, or the priest, if you will, Ruel in Midian, and he would eventually make his way out of that also. Just a little bit of context about Moses. And where we are in Exodus chapter 3, let's understand one thing, saints. That God begins speaking to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And before Exodus chapter 3, we don't find any conversation taking place between God and what is now an 80-year-old Moses. Isn't it something how Moses is now an 80-year-old man? And the first word, the first conversation, rather, that we find, Minister Terrell, between him and God is when he's an 80-year-old man. Let's think about one thing, because Exodus chapter 2 and verse 12, it would begin to tell us how that Moses, when he got over there where his brethren were, that he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew. Bishop Smith, you talk about this one all the time. That may be Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11. Exodus, that was Exodus 2 and 11. Exodus 2 and 12 says that after that, it says that he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no man, it said that he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, Moses has been living a life of hiding at three months because his mother hid him three months. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 3, his mother hides him in the Nile River. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 12, Moses then slays the Egyptian and hides him in the sand. And then in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6, the verse right before y'all know where our scripture picks up on this morning, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6, it said that the Lord began to call out unto Moses at 80 years old and said unto him, Moses, Moses. And when he said that, it says that Moses then hid his face from God for he was afraid to look upon him. Let's go, saying That's just a little bit of context. Are we all still home? And isn't it amazing that although Moses was a murderer 